Welcome to Taking the Middle Seat, a podcast where we explore connection where you might not think it exists. I'm your host, Andrea, and I've always believed there is connection to be made when you sit next to someone and really take in their story. So every couple of weeks or so, I'm taking the middle seat. I'm listening in on someone's story because I know that the middle seat holds healing and acceptance and laughter and community if we just stay open and remember that we belong to each other. I hope you listen into each and every episode and that you'll find yourself moving in to hear the magic in the middle seat. On this episode, episode 37, I'm talking to Maggie McGinnis with Maggie Ann Soap Company. If you loved episode 36, and I'm sure you did, this will be like another incredible chapter in that book. My conversation with Maggie is like the very best memoir you've ever read, complete with Maggie's gorgeous storytelling, perseverance, and resilience. She talks about her own history of substance use disorder and mental health issues. She also talks really lovingly about her family and their struggles and triumphs with the same diseases. Maggie has been through a lot, and she's so honest and open about her entire story, Part of what I really love is that she dispels myths about people with substance use disorder and speaks truth into that world on a subject where we really need more truth, I think. Maggie has an incredible family of her own and a very cool soap business. Everything she does is an expression of love for herself, her family, her community, and the world. I know you'll love hearing her talk about her life. So please check check out those show notes. We talk about a couple of things that I know you'll want to learn more about, cherry health and aces and some other things that more information is even better. So you're also going to want to check out the show notes because you're going to want to buy some soap. It's not just bar soap, people, although her bar soap is gorgeous and amazing. She has lotions and hair care and beard care and bath bombs and everything. It's all natural, it's all made with love and intention, and you're going to want some. If you're local, she sells at the downtown market on Saturdays. Check out her page for when she's going to be there. And she's got a whole display at the Bridge Street Market. You can also just buy online. Her website is awesome. A quick note about the sound. I had my mic on the wrong setting during our interview. Of course I did. So Maggie sounds a little far away in parts. I did my very best with the editing, but I just can't bring myself to focus too much on that. So this is the best we've got. I know you'll get so taken in by her story that the sound will not be an issue. So just lean in closer to my conversation with Maggie McGinnis. Maggie, I'm so glad you're here. I have been wanting to learn more about your story for a really long time. Um, and I'm excited to do that. So welcome. Welcome. Thanks I'm excited for... too. So tell me um, a little bit about just who you are, just mm. intro, like whatever you want to share about who you are right now in your life. Sure. I'm, <laughs> I'm busy. But yes. Yes. My name is Maggie McGinnis and um, I'm almost 36, a wife, a mother of three kids, a dog and two cats. I am an EGR in Davenport alumni, um, and I and I own a mm-hmm. small business. Mm-hmm. I've lived in the East Town area for my whole life and love the community there. Mm-hmm. Um, I've served uh, as a patient on the governing board at uh, and at various committees 
at Cherry Health, and I've served there for about five years now. I love it. So um, I've recently learned, pretty recently learned, that you were really involved in Cherry Health, like you mentioned. So tell people that might not know anything about Cherry Health, um, even if they live in Grand Rapids, they may have no idea what that organization sure. does. So talk a little bit about why you're involved and, um, and what Cherry Health does. Sure. A lot of people actually don't know about Cherry Health, mm -hmm. but we've been around for a while. Mm -hmm. um, it is a independent, nonprofit, federally qualified community health center, okay. otherwise known as an FQHC, which I'll say a few times. Okay. Um, its primary focus is providing high-quality health services to those who have little or no access to health care, regardless of income or insurance status. Services provided by Cherry Health are primary care, women's health, pediatrics, dental, vision, behavioral health, mental health, correctional health, and we have five school-based health centers and employees, employee assistance for employers. Okay. Cherry Health provides services to all individuals and a sliding scale fee based on income and family size for those with little or no health insurance. Okay. Um, it was established in 1988 and is the largest FQHC in the state of Michigan, serving Barrie, Eaton, Kent, Montcalm, Muskegon, Ottawa, and Wayne counties. Um, we provide integrated health care services at more than 20 locations throughout Michigan. Cherry Health employs approximately 900 employees and a network of over 60 physicians and mid-level providers. Cherry Health runs school-linked programs active in 70 public schools offering both vision and dental care. Our mission at Cherry Health is to improve the health and wellness of individuals by providing comprehensive primary and behavioral health care while encouraging access by those who are underserved. Very cool. They do a ton is basically what you just told Yeah, us. we do a lot. We do they a lot. They do yeah. a lot. Um, and I feel like growing up here, I didn't even realize how, how kind of wide and broad their services are. So yeah. that's really cool. I didn't cool. until I got involved. So speaking of getting involved, what connected you to Cherry Health? Why did you get involved with that specific organization? Well, that's, it's a long story. I love long stories. <laughs> okay. I love it. <laughs> well, okay. Um, I started receiving services at Cherry, um, at the Salvation Army Booth Clinic, which was also Cherry Street back in 2008. Okay. I was a single parent and living back with my parents. My younger sister, Mo, went there when she was pregnant and liked her services, so she recommended that I go. I joined the group classes at Booth. I had a great nurse practitioner named Nancy. I, um, I really liked her and so did my sister. She was really nice. Mm -hmm. um, while we were receiving prenatal care there, I learned that they also provided dental services and it was easy for me to get in because I was already a patient. Mm -hmm. It was convenient having it in the same building and close to me. This is how I got started as a patient there. Okay. Why I'm committed to the organization is a long story, but ultimately boils down to the struggles that I've seen firsthand with mental health and substance use disorders in my own family. Um, and I believe these issues to be paramount in our society today and more needs to be done to address them. So I guess yeah. you want to hear about my own story with addiction? I'm sure. <laughs> as much as you want to share. Okay. Well, okay. I guess I'd have to rewind back to the early 2000s when I was in high school back at East. Mm -hmm. I was always responsible and very committed back then. 
in high school, I got decent grades, was on crew for a couple years, did dual enrollment at community college, taking criminal justice and photography. I volunteered at the Humane Society and West Michigan Environmental Action Council. Mm -hmm. I did an internship at Blanford Nature Center and the Animal Care Center, played the violin, took auto mechanics at Kent Skills, and worked at Hot Tamales and D&W and Gibson's from about 1998 to 2002. I started hanging out with older guys from high school and work. I didn't waste time testing out alcohol, pot, and cigarettes. Um, I also got prescribed Adderall for my ADHD and then Xanax for my anxiety all before I was 18. You could say I started partying around freshman year and it only accelerated from there. I always managed to hold down a job, but over the next eight years or so, until I got pregnant at 26, all of my overachieving ceased. Mm -hmm. I worked and then lived at the bar. I started to accumulate debt. It got to a point where I'd force myself to eat something in the morning so I could take my Adderall and I'd try to make it through work so I could drink and then black out every night when I took Xanax to help me sleep. I was promiscuous and somehow years passed me by while I was living this way. It's pretty much a blur. There are regrets, of course, but I wouldn't change my past because it got me to where I am now. I couldn't imagine my own children doing the things I did. It would break my heart and then to the childhood. So you've talked a little bit, I mean, you just mentioned some of your growing up time, some of your childhood, but I think the perception is out there that like, you know, people that struggle with substance use disorder or have mental health problems have clearly grown up in like chaos and trauma and destruction. And that's what why that has happened. But that obviously wasn't the case for you. You were high achieving, like you said, you were doing a million things, holding down jobs, the whole nine yards. So talk a little bit about your childhood and then kind of, you know, take us to, um, you know, how that fit in to where you are, where sure. you went after that. Yeah, there's actually something called ACEs. I don't know if you've heard about it, but it's a scoring yes. system. Yeah, I would say my ACE score is slow uh, or low, you know, because uh, I did. I grew up in a family that, you know, we had a normal upbringing. I have two sisters, one that's two years younger and one 11 years older. Um, we had a normal childhood. My parents didn't have drinking and drug problems while we were growing up. We went to a Catholic school. My dad coached volleyball, and my mom was a wonderful Girl Scout troop leader. Mm -hmm. We have a large extended family, and we've always been involved with all of my aunts, uncles, and cousins on both sides. Growing up, I felt our family was completely normal. We had a normal house in East Town and then EGR. We did some light traveling. I had friends. Everyone in my family was involved in activities or organizations in the community. Things didn't really start falling apart until I was in high school. Um, that's when my mom started taking Adderall. My parents' marriage started getting rocky, um, and my 10-year party started. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so 10-year party, huh? <laughs> basically. basically um, I feel my, my older sister wasn't the best influence on my adolescence either. Uh, okay. She was so much older than me, and I always looked up to her and admired her. Sure. If she were to um, offer me drugs or alcohol, I usually wouldn't turn it down. The same went for my little sister, uh, Mo, who's also suffered. Well, actually, they both have suffered from mental health issues, since I can remember, and then substance use disorder um, from adolescence to current. Um, uh, at home, 
my older sister, or at some point, my older sister started using heroin. Uh, later, she introduced it to my younger sister, and heroin is something I never did. I knew that that's the kind of shit that will take a hold of you, and then there's no coming back from that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so back to me, I guess, in my story, when I was, we'll go to 26. Mm -hmm. um, that's when I started dating my son's dad for a couple years, um, but I was a miserable alcoholic at that point, nearly drinking a fifth a day. Luckily, in this case, becoming pregnant saved me. I kept the baby because I knew I needed some big changes in my life. It forced me to wake up and take control. I was not in love with my boyfriend, and our relationship was dysfunctional, so I moved back home with my parents. I quit all the bad things in my life. The partying halted, and I tried shifting to become the person I wanted to be. Um, my younger sister, Mo's son, Ben, was three at that time, and she was not really involved with him with her struggles with mental health and substance use. I remember when I moved back home, I stepped in a lot with him, and we did all sorts of things together. Mm -hmm. uh, Finn, my oldest son, was born in May 2009. I did good for a while, working, cooking, taking care of my new baby and Ben, and decided I'd go back to college to get my bachelor's degree to support myself and the new baby. I did good until I decided I could start taking Adderall again. Mm -hmm. I felt I couldn't not smoke, drink, and take Xanax while taking it. Since my mom and my younger sister also took it, I just borrowed from them at first until I got back on it. Finn is now about a year and a half and I was slipping. I was also ready to date again. The only place I knew to meet guys was the bar. One night, I was at a girlfriend's birthday party where she bartended and met my husband. He didn't know the mess I was in, slipping back into my old ways. We dated seven months, and one night at the bar I got real loaded and decided to drive home like I'd done so many times before. But mm -hmm. that night there was a snowstorm, and I got stuck in a snowbank. Luckily, the police had no problem charging me with a second DUI and taking me to jail. My boyfriend, now husband, was on the verge of leaving me. I was a hot mess. Um, I thought about my sisters and how little they were involved with their children's lives and said to myself, I am not going to end up like that. Sitting in the cop car was my true awakening. I decided that I was going to be the best parent I could be and I knew I could do it. I had faith in myself. That was the last night that I ever drank, smoked cigarettes, or took Adderall. Wow. Um, at that point, I opted to do sobriety court to help keep me accountable so that I could still drive with an interlock in my car. It was tough. I had to call in every morning for about a year, and if my caller was called, I had to go downtown and drop. I had court once a month, community service, and AA meetings three times a week, but I did it. I just kept plugging away. With um, Dan, my, my new well, he was my boyfriend, but now we're married, so mm -hmm. it got tricky because uh, we'd met at a time when I wasn't my best self, and mm -hmm. there were many changes coming over me, but he's always been so supportive of me, and we made it through together. He is my rock. At this point, I continued at Davenport pursuing my business degree. In, two, in 2013, I was expecting our second and receiving services at Booth Clinic again. One of the caseworkers suggested I apply for a board position at Cherry, so I did, and I was accepted. I have learned so much through my involvement with Cherry Health over the years. 
Because Cherry Health is a federally qualified community health center, half the board must be made up of patients. Okay. I am happy to be giving back and staying involved in the community. I've met some wonderful people and the learning continues for me with the organization. Um, I guess I'll move on to 2014, okay. which was a big year for me. Okay, yeah. Uh, I was pregnant with our third, graduated from college, got married, went on my first trip overseas, and then my mom died um, at home while living with us and watching my son Finn and Ben. Two weeks later, I gave birth to my youngest son, Ryer. Oh, my. Yeah. Yeah. What a holy that was a big, That was a hard one. That's a big year in <laughs> yeah. lots of ways. Good and bad, it sounds like. Yeah. 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 Yes, mm-hmm. that's true. So her death was unexpected, but she had been having some health issues. The night before she died, she'd given me per- her prescription and told me to get rid of it. But uh, the damage had already been done. I mean, she'd been misusing her prescription for years at that time. Okay. Um, so I was her power of attorney in charge of splitting up the estate and planning the service with a new baby. My hands were pretty full. Uh, my sisters were also a mess, especially my older sister, uh, who was incarcerated and couldn't even be at the service. Luckily, my younger sister pulled through and helped me a bit. And even though my parents were divorced at that point, my dad still helped a lot too. Okay. He still does. But I blame my mom's death to addiction. And then the last chunk of my story. Okay. (laughs) Um, Over the next couple years, I kept busy working at various jobs. I started making soap, raising a family, and would clean houses when the soap wasn't selling to pay my new student loans. Uh, I let my sister Mo help me clean because she was a good helper and needed money. She was living with my dad two blocks over from us. And in 2017, as far as I knew, or, you know, Mo, my younger sister, was not using heroin anymore. Mm -hmm. She knew, if I knew she was using, I wouldn't let up on her about getting help and nagging. Mm -hmm. Uh, She, along with... Many of my other family members can't stand my nagging. (laughs) In hindsight, there were signs that she was using again if she ever even stopped. But I was but I was busy with my own life. Yeah. On September twenty ninth, two thousand seventeenth, I got the call from my dad first thing in the morning that she'd overdosed in the night. (sighs) I crumbled. I knew he was what he was going to say before he said anything. Mm -hmm. Um, Mo and I were close, only two years apart. Even through all this dysfunction and chaos in our lives, my sisters and I have always come back together. I always try and help them the best I am capable of without enabling. Um, Living in a family surrounded by mental health and substance use disorder is the real reason I serve, to help others who are or have been in positions like this. So you've talked a little bit about your sisters and your mom and your dad. Can you say a little bit more about how substance use disorder kind of wove into lives? Yeah, yeah, I can. I'm, I, I guess I feel like situations like mine are swept under the rug yeah. um, and that no one wants to really hear about it. Mm-hmm. After a while, hearing this kind of stuff is like a broken record, and I think it's part of the problem. Mm-hmm. People need to talk about it. It's real. It's raw. It's life. And it's about bringing awareness to others. It's about gratitude, and it's about sharing your story. Um, So 
it's different for each one of us in our families mm-hmm. about how I guess substance use disorder is woven into our lives. Um, my older sister started dabbling probably when she was in high school as well. Substance use disorder has struck her the hardest in my family, I'd say. Her dad died when she was just four, I think. Um, He was drafted to Vietnam and struggled with heroin addiction, and when he returned, he overdosed. I don't believe I knew she was my half-sister until I was about 10 or 12. Wow. I thought thought it was crazy that she had a different dad. Mm -hmm. My mom started dating my dad when she was about nine, I believe, so... So she's always been there in my life. The, the things that she has endured is pretty amazing. Her stories are much more wild than mine. Mm-hmm. The fact that she is still standing shows her resilience. I'm, I'm so happy she's doing well now. She has a real job, cleans and works for me, and is in recovery and graduating from her program. Um, she's waiting for a spot on the housing list to get um, affordable housing and part of like the street reach program downtown. Perfect. Wow. Um, but when you have a family member who's struggling with substance use disorder, it, it's so hard. You get to a point where you say, I don't care anymore. How can you keep making such terrible decisions? Mm-hmm. I can't handle you, your dysfunction anymore. Mm-hmm. But you really always care because they're your family. Yep. Uh, but ultimately, everyone is in charge of their own happiness. No one can make you happy in the long run. When your life is in shambles and you're never never going to be happy, um, little things can be milestones when you begin your sobriety journey. Support is big, so hopefully the user hasn't burned all their bridges. Mm-hmm. Hopefully they can eventually stand on their own two feet because that's what we all want, right? Right, yes, that's the goal. <laughs> um, my younger sister always struggled with her mental illness. Starting in elementary, she was dyslexic and ADD and had social anxiety issues. She is part of the reason we moved to East, so she could have access to better special ed programs. However, that didn't help much. She had many sick days in elementary and middle school, and I believe that to be from her social anxiety. She ended up dropping out of high school. Luckily, she did get her GED while she was pregnant and graduated from Ross Medical School with a nursing assistant degree. Um, She had persistent and apparent mental health issues her whole life, which I believe led to her substance use disorder problems. Mm -hmm. She had a wonderful soul. She had friends. She could be happy, and her closest friends and family had seen the happiness through the years. But drugs rip it out of you. You don't see laughter and smiles anymore. Users become a shell, and it's the saddest thing to see. Um, You could say my parents were enablers. Substance use disorder was obviously no stranger to my mom who'd already lost a husband to it. My dad never personally struggled with it as far as I could see. He'd drink beer sometimes, but I don't recall him ever being drunk. My mom's addiction started when I was in high school with Adderall. People don't really talk about this drug um, and its potential harm. Mm -hmm. I just don't hear it much. Mm -mm. It can lead to other drugs and is very addictive. Kids in college misuse it and give it away all the time. I have known a lot of people on this drug in my life and don't know one who didn't take it properly, give it away, or have other substance use issues. I suppose they don't give it out as freely as they used to, but I could never put my child on this drug after the things I've been through and seen firsthand. I see my son struggling with ADHD now and am trying my best to work through it without drugs and it's tough. Mm-hmm. Um, 
My mom turned more and more dysfunctional through the years of taking it. Her relationships with my dad and her sisters became strained and it showed. The longer she took it, the more unhappy and debilitated she became. Mm. Like my younger sister, she was once happy. To watch someone's light burn down and then out is unbearable, especially your mom. Mm -hmm. um, my dad has been on this roller coaster with me the whole time. Mm -hmm. Seeing everyone in my family struggle like this has pushed him into Al-Anon. He is very involved in, and in charge of public outreach for West Michigan. Mm -hmm. He's at meetings almost daily. He especially likes to work with Alateen. Mm -hmm. He is very involved with my older sister and her recovery now. He helps her out with rides all the time. My poor dad was there with my mom and sister trying to resuscitate them when mm -hmm. they died. I don't know if I could handle those memories, but you never know what you're going to get handed in life sometimes. Yeah. Um, experience really opens your eyes and has helped me to learn, understand, and be grateful. I just want to pause and say thank you for saying all of that. I think you are so right that these stories are not talked about enough. No. And it's not easy for you to tell your story and talk about yourself and your family. And I, I'm just... I could cry right now just being so grateful. Oh, I was when I was writing. Right, sure, <laughs> yes. Um, I'm just so grateful when people tell their story because it's not your job it's not your obligation right but i think it will absolutely it's going to impact somebody it's gonna the more times you tell it the more um not normal but like regular it's going to feel to have people say what they've been through and i just find it well, phenomenal i can tell you this i think that people the people that have been addicted had their own addiction problems aren't they don't mind about reaching out so much and yeah. they're not it's they're always the ones trying to help someone else yeah. i think and share their stories so they can be heard but the people who don't want to talk about it are the family members and the other people who have been touched by this as well yeah. but they don't talk about it yeah they're you know which is a ton of people because figure the user is one person usually in the family i think yes. i have an ex exception having so many people in my family with the with this problem but i know that there are other families with this many people you know who yeah. have the problem but you know but i think that it's a matter of everyone yes um, everyone has had a family member i'm sure that's had mental health and substance use disorders because it's so prominent in our society and Absolutely. it's just getting worse really i think or yeah i don't know if it's really getting worse or maybe that we are just kind of starting to talk about it more yeah. so you hear about it more yeah i mean i'm sure it's always been there like it is and it always kind of morphs and changes. So yeah. if it's crack and heroin and then we get into Adderall and ecstasy and prescription and, you know, it just kind of finds its way into a new medium depending on the time frame sure. or the yeah. person yeah. or the whatever. Right. Yeah. Well, there's street drugs and prescription drugs, but I mean, I think that they are, they're seeing the problem that yeah. these prescription drugs are having on people now, yes. you know, um, and, it, and it's tougher to get them. Sometimes... You know, I think that they're needed, and but you know, um, I'm just glad that there's a lot. There is a lot more awareness around yeah, this now, for sure. But still, not enough. Yes, never enough. I feel mm -hmm. like. Yeah. Um, also, we keep saying substance use disorder. Um, I just want people to know, like, I think the more um, historically, the more like familiar term is probably substance abuse oh. or addiction, and substance use disorder, right, is just kind of the more acceptable term now. 
Sure. Right? Yeah, I guess because like, I'm in my meeting stuff like that. It's always yes. just S U D. Yes. It's just said, you know. So, I, but I know it's substance use disorder. But yeah, um, it is all those other things. Yeah. Said, just so know. people know that right. that's why we yeah. keep saying that. Um, and did you know, this is also a little bit off of our like plan, but did you know that your family, like when you were young, did you know your family had a history of substance use disorder? When did, did you ever know that until you were in it yourself? Was that kind of a thing that your family like talked about? No, like, oh, no, no, uncle no. so-and-so or no, whatever. Okay. Never, we never talked about substance yeah. use uh, or, you know, or addiction in any kind of way. Like I said, I remember sometimes my dad thinking he had a problem with alcohol, but uh-huh. I've never, ever in my life seen him drunk. So, yeah. I mean, I think he would just drink some beers in the evening, and, and then he eventually um, made that transition over to Al-Anon. But, yeah. you know, no, I mean, I think sometimes now my mom's sisters may have known that about her personality, yeah. um, but... She growing up, I don't ever remember. She never took pills. Um, yeah. or she, I don't. I don't ever hardly remember taking a drink in her whole life. She yeah. never drank really, but you know, she was a smoker. But yeah, I mean, yeah, but nothing. Nothing. Yeah, you know, because I, I think all of that just bucks the stereotype, which I think is important to right. like put out those stories that like it, don't follow what people think that this looks like. It's right. it's all different. It can happen in all different ways. Yeah, I mean, I think. It's been a while because I was at a conference for Michigan Primary Care Association over the summer in Traverse City. Mm -hmm. That's when I learned about ACEs, but I believe that's where you get rated based on your childhood um, experiences and if you've had family members with substance use or addiction problems, you know, you get higher ratings because you're more likely to have that later on in life or any kind of traumatic experiences. Mm -hmm. We didn't have any of that, Mm -hmm. you know, we didn't have any any traumatic experiences or addiction yeah family growing up yeah it all I'd say it all started around high school yeah yeah and I'll link to the um if I can find that list of aces um those things I'll link to that in the show notes so people can get familiar with a really cool thing actually it was brought up at my committee meeting yesterday about us wanting to implement that with our um pediatrics department and the providers starting to ask questions relating to ACEs so yeah. we can start, you know, doing preventative measures for children that are at risk. Yeah, yeah, makes sense. So throughout your story, I just, what I hear is strengths and resilience mm-hmm. and amazingness and wonderfulness. Um, <laughs> that's just what I hear. Um, and I hear your willingness to ask for help, which I think is like a superpower that doesn't always happen. Can you talk a little bit about the people or agencies or groups um, that really kind of helped you along the way kind of come out of that season of substance use disorder? Yeah, Yeah, sure. I don't usually, you know, have a problem (laughs) talking about anything that I've been through. Um, But uh, I think choosing sobriety court back when I Um, got my second DUI was one of the best decisions of my life. It held me accountable. I had a probation officer, an interlock in my car, court monthly, um, community service, mandatory AA, and I had to call in every day to see if my caller was called to go and drop, like I'd already mentioned. Mm -hmm. Um, It was a lot, but I knew I could do that. Um, I didn't want to disappoint myself, my son, or my soon-to-be husband. 
and I just and I just didn't want to get in trouble for messing up because mm-hmm. I'm not that kind of person. AA did help me the first couple years um, that I was in, and it was nice. I found a meeting that I really liked on Sunday mornings with an older group of people um, who had been sober for quite some time and had a lot of experience. They shared their stories of being lost, down and out, having nothing, and also of hope and resilience. Um, so th- I, I really liked that group. My, my husband is amazing. He mm-hmm. has always believed in me, and I can talk to him about anything. I always talk his ear off. <laughs> but uh, he's definitely my number one um, after myself um, as far as support goes because I yeah. do believe that you have to be the number one person in in everything in your life, really. Yeah. If you're no good, then how can you be of any help to others? So Yeah, for sure. Um, but ultimately what kept me going through uh, were my sisters and uh, me seeing them struggle. And, and I just didn't want to be like that anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, I A lot of it was becoming a mother and wanting to be better, knowing I could do better. I didn't want to be a parent with dependency issues. I wanted to be present. Um, I suppose in AA I saw that normal people with families made it through Mm -hmm. and and when I was beginning my journey it was nice to have that reinforced often um, that people do make it yeah you see that possibility yeah 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 I love that so you have talked about being on kind of both sides of this so on the using side and on the support side with your family members and probably other people in your life can you talk a little bit about um, what keeps you going because you know you've been through a lot and what um you've talked a little bit about why you share your story but a lot about just what keeps you putting one foot in front front of the other and kind of seeing that possibility that it can be it can be good and that there's a future yeah 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 um yep uh well losing my mom and sister three years apart was pretty awful yeah you know i i can i i I've seen how short life can be. Yeah. Not to be morbid, but I think about death often. Sure, you know? yeah. And uh, we could all go at any time. And the older you get, the more you see it. Yeah. Um, sometimes I cry and get down about how my mom and sister are missing so much, usually from my own life. Like my mom dying two weeks before my last child was born. I know she was looking forward to meeting the baby. Mm-hmm. Um, we didn't know it was a him until he was born. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I was going through her room, I found a gift and a letter for me. It was nice. It was a dress that was her taste, mm-hmm. as always. <laughs> Even though I don't wear it, I still have it. <laughs> I get sad that they are missing seeing the kids grow. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that neither one of them wanted or meant to die, but I think they both knew they were uh, knocking at death's door. Um you know, my mom's health wasn't good, and my sister had lost five friends to heroin overdoses in the two years before her own death. Oh, wow. She, she was actually there for one of the deaths and found another one of her friends dead. I just don't know how that couldn't set you straight. Goes to show how strong that drug really is. Yeah. She'd also been narcan a few times as well. But my family, my business, and pets keep me going. Yeah. I, I typically overcommit, yeah. <laughs> as I was talking about yeah. earlier. Um, I'm on the governing board and two committees at Cherry Health. I have my soap business. Um, I try and volunteer at the elementary school and on few field trips as much as possible. 
Uh, and I like to take trips and visit family as much as I can. Mm-hmm. I love doing stuff with my kids and keeping them involved. My, co- my kids all race BMX bikes, and my nine-year-old does judo as well. So we are at some sort of practice anywhere from two to four days a night or a week all year round. Keeping busy keeps me going. Mm-hmm. When I have too much time on my hands, I get unmotivated and think and worry too much about things out of my control. Uh, I really try and practice balance in my life, even though it's tricky to do. Learning to say no can be hard, and I need to work on that. Mm-hmm. I share my story openly because I'm not ashamed or embarrassed. My family doesn't necessarily care for my openness, but I've always <laughs> been an open book. Uh-huh. Yep. Um, too much information, that's me. I, I think I share openly, um, like I do, because there's parts of my story that most people can relate to, and I want people to feel there's some sort of nor- normality about talking about these things out loud and not to keep the stigma going around mental health and substance use disorder. I love that. And I, you know, I love your story, but I think part of what I love most is what you are doing now, kind of what you alluded to. Um, You are raising this like killer family. You're an advocate in the community. You're doing a million things. Um, And you have a business, which I think you might have just mentioned once that you have a soap business. Um, But let's talk about it because I think it's super awesome. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I love to make soap. It's, I, it's kind of my favorite. You've, um, like, made it a thing. Like, I think I people, like, think, gosh, I'd really like to make soap and then make a few bars and then that's it. But you're, like, making soap. Like, yeah, yes. <laughs> like, no, I can make hundreds of bars a week right I now. I love it. Point. So I'm really um, trying to grow as slowly as I can while, you know, maintaining balance in my life. Mm-hmm. I, I'm ready to do more, but I'm waiting for my youngest to be in school for a full day. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess I should go back. How I started making soap, if you want to know about this. Is I do. My my mom and I used to make, it's called melt and pour soap uh, okay. around the holidays for Christmas. Melt and pour soap is basically an intro to soap making for anyone that actually wants to make soap could get started this way. You buy it at Hobby Lobby, okay. you cut it up, uh-huh. you melt it in the microwave, and then you can add your own colorants and fragrances and just pour it into a mold. And then it's ready about 30 minutes after you pour it. Pop okay. it out and it's ready. Um, so so that's fun. And that's kind of how I got started going. Uh, and then when she passed away, I was going through her stuff and found a book on the cold process method, making real soap. There's also okay. hot process, but um, I haven't really dabbled in that much yet. But um, so I, I started doing that. I make cold process soap bath bombs, lip balm, beard products, lotion, body butter, sugar scrub, face masks, and candles now. Wow. But, um, you know, I really like the um, the art, the artisan aspect of design, mm-hmm. soap design. That's kind of what I'm really into. I I learned to do it all, all on my own through, you know, mostly YouTube, yeah. reading blogs, and books. Um, but... I guess as I was, sorry to backtrack, but as I was reading that book of hers, I was on my way to Thanksgiving with my husband, and I just kind of had an epiphany without ever making a batch of cold process soap, I decided I was going to start a business. Uh (laughs) I said to my husband, I said, Dan, I'm going to start my own soap making business, and and I just went full steam ahead, and and it's a lot of learning, just so much learning, really, but I finally gotten to a point where... 
I'm, I'm ready to start trying to gain wholesale accounts because I've realized that that's kind of your bread and butter money and doing um, special orders for like, um, uh, like bridal showers, baby showers, corporate events. So I've done stuff for, like you just mentioned, Holiday Inn, um, Experience Grand Rapids, and I'm just trying to get on websites to promote that more because mm -hmm. I really I love to do custom orders. Yeah. Um, but but I also put a strong emphasis on sustainability with everything that I do in my business. Mm -hmm. So I use something called Biolefin, which is uh, the only eco shrink wrap that I know of on the market. So it will fully biodegrade in just three years so oh, cool. that's what my soap is packaged in and if I do gift wrapping it is a plant-based plastic so that one's compostable um, and then I make like glass uh, bottles for lotion and I'm gonna be switching over the last thing I need to switch over in my line is lip balms they are currently plastic because they're the cheapest and I'm gonna switch over to cardboard and see if people are willing to pay the extra that it costs me yeah. to get the cardboard. But I pers I've always had um, environmental issues close to my heart um, ever since I can remember. So it's important for me to bring this through in my business. Yeah, yeah. I love it. And your soaps are gorgeous, Thank gorgeous. You. Yeah. Like the one, didn't you do one for a marathon? Oh, I did. Yes, I did one for the um, Reeds Lake Triathlon. Yes, I thought that one was so cool. Yeah. Um, I will, of course, link to your business and so people can follow along on your social media and check out your soap and place lots of huge orders oh, for yeah. custom oh, yeah. things. Because I just, I really, really love your custom stuff. I think it like just makes the event so cool. And yeah, I yeah. think it's awesome. Yeah. Yep, I can do custom bands. I guess I've actually also done some work for uh, Brewery Vivant and stuff. But where I typically sell right now is online. And then I pop up at the downtown market often and uh, festivals and uh, fairs, mostly along the lakeshore in the summer. So okay. believe it or not, I already have all of my shows booked for the whole summer and I'm starting into the holiday. Oh my I actually gosh. do Beneath the Wreath. Yeah. Um, and uh, I really like the UICA one. Yeah, but, that is a cool show. Mm -hmm. If people are Grand Rapids people, hopefully they've been to that show because yeah. I love it, yeah. the UICA holiday one. Yeah. Um, Anything else you want to share about soap or your story that we haven't touched on? I think we covered all the bases. I really but... do think I did. Yeah. Um, it's me, I guess, just trying to find the balance with the family and the housework and yeah. um, trying to find work to do that. I usually try to wake up at 5 a.m. so I can do work <laughs> before the kids wake up while yes. it's nice and quiet because I'm, I'm worthless in the evening. I check out at like 6 yeah. Calling my husband, when are you going to be home? Right. Take the kids, I'm ready to go to bed. Yes. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so I guess, you know, yeah, that's it. I'm working on labeling, too, right now. I've hired a graphic, a local graphic designer who's helping me implement new labeling on um, all my products. Yeah. I love that you're just so intentional about your, about everything, about packaging and um that you're intentional about your packaging and your design and the sustainability. And I just think all oh, that's so cool. I yeah. I mean, as much as I would like to say, I think I'm the only one doing it. I, I do see a lot of people in my industry doing it more and more. Yeah. I mean, there's still a lot of people that don't. Um, and, it, and it's just really tough to navigate the health and beauty industry. And everybody calls things natural and just um, really reading ingredients and 
understanding the ingredients. If you can read a package or read the ingredient list on anything and understand what they are, I mean, I'd say that's, you know, mostly natural. When you have to start Googling um, yeah. certain ingredients, you know, maybe it's not so much, but it doesn't necessarily mean that that's a bad ingredient either. It just, yeah. it, there's a really a lot of education that needs to go in to, um, you know, knowing whether or not this is something you want. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yes. So there are questions that I ask everyone at the end of my interviews, so we're going to launch into those. Um, so what are some ways that you feel like people can create more genuine connection in their lives? Well, I think that it is important for people to de- detach from their, you know, busy and create chaotic lives. Yeah. Um, you know, distance themselves from social media and their phones, you know. Yeah. I know that I'm not the only one that thinks that people are just, kind of, you know, even me. I mean, yeah. you're on them all the time, and I hear it from my kids, or, you know, so I'm like, yeah, yeah. I, I want to just toss that thing out the window sometimes, but yet you do use it for your own work and other things so much, mm-hmm. but I yep. guess finding the balance with that is good. Um, and then for me, just slowing down and not overcommitting. I, I really like to keep busy, and I, it's just better if I slow down some. Yeah. Um, I'm always rushed and have an unrealistic to-do list. <laughs> I love it. You know? Um, but I constantly need to tell myself to slow down. Mm-hmm. Uh, people need to smile more and treat everyone equally. Because I've worked in customer service so much my life, um, I always relate to the wait staff or the mm-hmm. cashiers, um, those kinds of people when I'm out more than more than anyone else. Mm-hmm. Um, they can get treated so so bad sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, lastly, you know about real life. When someone asks you how you are, don't just respond with "I'm pretty good." You know, talk yeah. about something that's meaningful that's actually happening in your life. Yes. I mean, I feel like you never. I mean, maybe you're just busy or you don't have time or you just maybe don't really care. Don't ask them, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. But say something genuine. Yes. Yeah. I love that. And there's a a link to this podcast. I've probably told a million people about it, but it's um, called Terrible Thanks for Asking. Have you heard of this? Oh, I may have. You know, I was listening to something else once. It was a European one because I feel like they just do it so much better. Yes. You know, they will just tell you what's going on, the the shit going on in their life or, you know, whatever. And I I feel like Americans don't really do that much. You know, you're always just so like need to have this perfect little life and my finances need to be here. I shouldn't have this much debt. And, or even if I do, I'm not going to talk about it. I'm not going right. to tell anyone, you know, like I just got $10,000 in health bills. I was spectrum health. Yeah. yeah. I'm stressed out. How am I going to pay this? Kind yeah. Of thing, you know? Like, yeah. And that's the I reality mean, that's for everyone. problem, but you know, it's just, it's something real, you know, like I, I think that that's another thing you should talk about sometimes is like, the health insurance and like how you know crazy and messed up that system is yes you know yeah. having affordable you know options for people is huge i know that we're doing that at cherry health but it i don't fall into that because we make you know technically would qualify for the financial assistance assistance at spectrum health to have all of these huge health bills i've had recently written off but because my husband has a 401k we would have to pull from that oh, and right um, he only has 40,000 45 you know nothing really nothing yeah. for us to even live on for a year but yeah. we would have to take all of that or my children's savings to pay that off yeah 
but otherwise we qualify. Yeah. You know, it's just kind of, you know, it's kind of messed up when you start, I guess, making more than if you're not in the lowest, lowest class, but you, you just can't ever get ahead. Yeah. I feel. And I think finances is almost one of the most taboo things. People people don't talk about it. They don't talk about debt. They don't talk about feeling guilty about money. Yeah. They don't talk about health insurance or even having health insurance and where that leaves you because lots of health insurance is virtually useless. It's just so um, weird now, I guess, um, with maybe, I don't know. I, I was on Medicaid yeah. so for so many years of my life until just recently. So I'm just trying to learn and navigate, like, having, you know, real health care. I was on the phone with them yesterday. Yeah. Just, like, trying to understand my policy even more and, like, what's covered and what's not covered and when it's covered. And, and it's still a, li- a bit complicated. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So I agree. And yeah. even being in Cherry Health announcing, I still, the, the, that inside of it, I, I get, it's a little tricky for me. Yeah. Well, and I've worked in healthcare for oh, like yes, right. almost 20 years, <laughs> and I certainly don't understand everything about that side of healthcare. So, yeah, it's it's crazy. Um, so, if someone saw you from across the room, I know you love this question. Oh yeah, <laughs> and made assumptions about you because I think people are constantly doing this, oh, and yes, they're does. nearly often getting always getting it wrong. Um, what would they be getting wrong about you? Or if they just kind of saw, you know, like a list of your titles, what's in the in-between? Like what's, you know, what do people assume about you that's not true? I know. I, so this question I wasn't really so sure about. Right. You know? <laughs> maybe, I, don't, I guess maybe because I don't really understand or know myself still. Yeah, you know? right. Like on this journey, like who am I? I always want so much and can't even figure out who I am. So yeah. Yet, you know, I want... there's so much controversy in what I think I am or what I want but you know I I think I'm pretty much uh, pretty hipsterish Uh and that if they thought that about me they wouldn't be wrong Uh Um, it's pretty fitting I try to practice minimalism recycle not create waste um, not buy something new just because it's in style Um, I I don't do, I don't change anything in my house. I don't, you know, like I go into houses sometimes and everything's always brand new and perfect. Yeah. And I'm just like, I, you know, that's not me. I can't get rid of something just because it's outdated. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah, we don't, we don't um, eat meat at our house mm-hmm. and our, we just try to be pretty minimal. I love to mm-hmm. take my dog for uh, hikes in the park and going to the gym. And if they weren't thinking these things, I, I guess that about me, then they're wrong. Yeah. Well, and I love that answer. I know it was a hard question, but um, I think because you are not someone that puts people in boxes, it's just really foreign to think about how other people would do that because you you assume nothing about people. You're just so open and like welcoming to whoever and whatever and whatever their story is whatever they bring to the table and i think that's what you probably expect of other people which i think is awesome um so what kind of in that vein what types of people or spaces make you actually feel seen and heard where do you feel the most kind of alive and known well um i hate to bring you know like monetary status into this sort of thing but being i don't really care to be around people with money they make me uncomfortable i can't say i have a lot i don't relate to to them you know i like being around like-minded people in communities i love 
um, the ECA, the East Town Community Association, yeah. and I'm a little bit involved with them. If I had more time, I'd be on one of their boards, too. Yeah. Um, but I always relate to the working class, you know, yeah. the fruit of the people. Yeah. Fruit of the earth type people. Yep. Um, people that care about the earth and their well-being. Yeah. So, you know, those are the kinds of people I guess I choose to be around. Yeah. I'll try to pick out when I'm in a crowd, like, who, who would I want to go be by? Yeah. I have to be in. I'm not a fan of being in large crowds of, uh, you know, people anyway. Yeah. But... Yeah, people that are talking about things that matter, I feel like. Yeah, Yeah, I love that. Yeah. Um, And last one. This is kind of my favorite one, only because I think it just, like, shows who people are. But um, what are your favorite things? What what things light you up? I am sure I've mentioned them throughout my story. Yes. My family, of course. I, I love to do things with them. And my dog, I'm a bit of... I don't know why I'm feeling a void in my life lately uh-huh. that I've been, you know, wanting to even bring another one in or um, foster possibly. But mm-hmm. I uh, I love to cook. Sometimes I get burned out because of if I had to go make a bunch of soap in that morning, I don't know if I usually have that energy to make a nice big dinner. But I, yeah. I really like to do fancy cooking sometimes like I'll make pasta from scratch or raviolis or just you know I'm always I really like to cook yeah or bake um obviously soap and soap making and anything along the um that line Uh, what hiking in the woods huge for me I like to go hiking in the woods with my kids and the dog at least once a week love that so um where's your favorite area around here well, there's a lot. Typically, the one I go to most often is Huff Park okay. um, over off of Fuller and, and Aberdeen. Mm-hmm. They just redid the boardwalk last year. Luckily, we have a really great new parks and rec guy for the city of Grand Rapids, mm-hmm. and he's put a lot of work into the parks lately. So that one's I like because it's just closest, but I also like Seedman Park, Amon Park. Um, we go out to Kirk Park mm-hmm. on the Lakeshore a lot. Um you know, sometimes even the Yankee Springs, if I feel like kind of that much of a hike. But mm-hmm. those are some of my main ones, I guess. Love it. Yeah. Um, and then I like to travel. If I had more money, I would right. be going more. Yes. <laughs> sometimes it's just, you know, I around that. state traveling. Yep. But I got, my bucket list is, you know, a bit extensive. Yeah. But I am excited. I finally, you know, booked our um, spots to go on this massive road trip to Glacier National Park this summer Uh, in Yosemite. So I've never really camped more than two nights in a row, and we're camping. So it might be a little trying. But the thing is, is it's less expensive, and it's kind of something I always wanted to be like a nomad-type person. (laughs) So maybe it's just me getting to the age of life where (laughs) I'm I'm ready to check some of these things off my list, and and I think I'm capable. It's not going to kill us, and there'll be a good learning experience. So we're doing that. The kids will remember that it was, like, great fun. And even if it was, like, super trying for you and Dan, they will remember this, like, amazing trip. And I won't even remember it as it being like that. I mean, even when we went to Italy, like, I had a... Uh, horrible anxiety attack before I could get on the I couldn't uh-huh. actually I didn't think I was gonna get on the airplane yeah. I, I almost passed out in the airport so oh. like but luckily I thought I was like I knew my husband would kill me uh-huh. get on that plane <laughs> because he'd already bought the, yes. the whole trip was pretty much paid for and um but I was in my first trimester of pregnancy so I think like you know yeah that hell but you know I was a bit anxious that trip but I only really remember the good things so yeah I think that I just have a tendency to remember the good things in life anyway yeah. I block out the 
the bad ones, but two more things I wrote were um, snowboarding and biking. I definitely like to do both those things. Yeah. I have done um, biking for um, the MS-150 before, where you ride 150 miles in two days for muscular Oh, cool. Yeah. And and that's pretty cool. Yeah. You're all the things. You do all the things. I do things. Yes. I'm a doer. You are a doer. Yeah. I said it before, but I will say it again, that I'm so appreciative that you are willing to share your story. I think it's amazing. I think you're incredible, and you're going to change the world. I just know it. (laughs) Like, through soap and your advocacy and your family and uh, everything you do, I think, lights up this community, and I love it so much. Thank you for being here. Oh, you're welcome. I appreciated, you know, doing this and pushing me to do it, because sometimes it's not something I want to do so much, but I know I'm capable, and it's good for me to constantly kind of push my boundaries to grow myself. I love it. Well, thanks. That's it. the most genuine person you've ever heard. I know I said this at least twice in the interview, but I'm going to say it a third time that I'm so grateful every time someone comes into my recording space, which is actually my dining room, the literal center of my home, and records their story with me. It feels special and sacred and like the best thing I've ever done. Maggie was so generous with her words and time and history. I think everyone has a story to share, no matter what has happened in their lives. But those of us who have experienced struggle or grief or addiction or separation are bound to learn things through those experiences. And when we not only learn, but grow and then help others, well, I think that's the absolute most human thing we can do. Maggie is an example to me to work hard for who and what we love. Never judge people by their outsides or by our assumptions and always live with intention. I hope you're motivated by her story to first go connect with the people in your life and learn their story. And second, to buy some soap. Maggie and Soap Company is Maggie's labor of love. So for your next event or gathering or corporate thing you're in charge of, connect with her. She is not paying me to say this. It's just because I love her and her business and her work. She will make your event more special with her handmade soaps and products. She's going to make your home more special. So check all those um, websites and follow her on all the socials and support her business. I would love that. All right, everyone, go take the metal seat. I know you'll find magic and connection right there.